Welcome to Calvary Chapel of Columbia, where we're unpacking God's truths one verse at a time. And now here's Pastor Tim with today's message. Turn your Bibles to Luke chapter 20, Luke chapter 14 this morning. We'll be looking at verses 25 through 35. And um, man, we've been doing this thing called the Follow Me series, and it's it's been an incredible time of just going through the Bible chronologically with Jesus through the Gospels, and um, we've encountered some incredible truths thus far, man. I, I know that I've learned a lot going through this so far, and, and how can you not, if you're following Jesus and you're following his word, right? I mean, how can you not learn something? How can you not uh, be impacted or be transformed? You will be if you submit your heart to him, and, and that's really the core of what Jesus wants to talk to us about in this passage. In fact, as John was giving out announcements, I thought, well, you know, if I were a visitor here, I would be thinking, these guys seem like they, they're pretty heavily concerned about discipleship. Like, they really want to teach into people's lives. There's lots of ways that we can be taught through. You know, there's home fellowships, there's Bible studies, there's uh, foundations classes, there's, there's one-on-one mentorship that happens within our church. There's a lot of discipleship happening. So you might think like, well, well, yeah, Jesus is going to talk about making disciples or being a disciple. So that's what that looks like. It's just getting plugged into a Bible study or getting, you know, getting plugged into something that will cause me to learn. But that's not really totally what a disciple is. A disciple is the word, yes, means learner. But the heart of a disciple is a follower surrendered to Jesus Christ. You can go through all the biblical training you want and not be a disciple. You understand that? Jesus wants, and, and I'm coming at this heavy because it is heavy on our Lord's heart. Heavy on our Lord's heart that we would not pretend, that we would not coast through this thing called life. That we would truly be disciples of Jesus, not just in word, but in form, in deed, in heart. That we would sync up with our Lord and we would be what he calls us to be. He wants to transform our life daily. Daily. Discipleship is a daily thing. It's a daily surrender. It's a daily surrendering your heart to him and saying, Lord, I'm available to you. Whatever you want to do, teach me something today, Lord. I promise you, if you take on that perspective when you wake up in the morning, your life will be radically different. Radically different. Rather than just waking up and going, well, I'm back to the norm. It's Monday morning. Go to work through Friday. Shut it down. Come to church on Sunday and do it all over again. Is that God's plan for your life? No, that's not God's plan for your life. God has incredible things in store for his disciples. For those who would, who would not only learn about him, but would be submissive to him, would be surrendered to him. I ran into somebody that I haven't seen for a couple years yesterday. A lady that was, uh, had lost her husband, a dear friend of ours. And it was funny because the Lord had just put her on my heart. Literally 10 seconds before I saw her. The Lord said, what about Karen? And I said, oh, man, what's Karen up to? wonder how Karen's doing. She lost her husband. Lord, where's Karen now? Whoa, Karen! What? What is going on here? You're here. What? I, I, I literally didn't know what to say. I literally did not know what to say to her. 
because I was dumbfounded. But do you think that was a coincidence? Do you think that the Lord was saying, hey, disciple, listen up. I have a hurting person that as I began to talk to her, she began to tear up and began to just think about her husband who's in heaven right now. And I thought, Lord, did I miss something? Because I was too preoccupied with things going on in my life that I didn't say, Lord, if Karen were to show up right now, what would you have to say to her today? I'm not saying that you have to be heavy burdened on every situation. I'm just saying the thought crossed my mind. And I said to my wife, I said, honey, I wonder if I blew it. I wonder if the Lord put her on my heart because he wanted to say something to her, but I was too blown away that he would do something like that. This is the God we serve. He is that kind of God. He does these kind of things all the time. Listen, if you're bewildered by it, if you get caught off guard by it, you might miss what he's trying to do. Discipleship. Disciple. Learner. Yes. But it's more than that. It's surrender to him. It is a life that is completely and totally in sync with him. Not your plan, his plan. Not your agenda, his agenda. Not your routine, for God's sake, not your routine. But for whatever he would have for you to do every day of your life. That is what Jesus wants to talk to us about today. We've been dealing with him, him talking to various different people. He was at, just at a dinner party and uh, he, he was having this conversation with the, the Pharisees and you know how that goes with them. They're, they're just brick walls. Nothing really gets past them. Jesus still loving them, still trying to reach into their life. And it, he leaves that place and now he has an encounter with a crowd. I want you to stand with me. We're going to pick it up in Luke chapter 14 beginning in verse 25. Hear the word of the Lord. Now, great crowds accompanied him, and he turned and said to them, If anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father and mother and wife and children and brothers and sisters, yes, even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. Whoever does not bear his own cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. For which of you, desiring to build a tower, does not first sit down and count the cost, whether he has enough to complete it? Otherwise, when he has laid a foundation is not able to finish, all who see it begin to mock him, saying, this man began to build and was not able to finish. Or what king going out to encounter another king in war will not sit down and deliberate whether he is able with 10,000 to meet him who comes against him with 20,000? And if not, while, while the other is yet a great way off, he sends a delegation and asks for, the, for terms of peace. So therefore, if any one of you who does not renounce all that he is, all that he has cannot be my disciple. Salt is good, but if salt has lost its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? It is of no use, either for the soil or for the manure pile. It's thrown away. He who has an ears to hear, let him hear. And Father, we thank you for your word this morning and for what you want to speak to us, Lord. Help us to have ears to hear this morning. We don't want to miss it, God. You want to say something to us. Lord, transform us. Do surgery on our ears this morning that we would be able to hear your still small voice, your loving 
compassionate voice in our life this morning. We lift you up, Lord. We ask you to speak to us now by your spirit. Reveal your son in Jesus' name. Amen. You can be seated. In the movie Jingle All the Way, Arnold Schwarzenegger plays a man named Howard Langston, the epitome of a bad salesman who is constantly over-promising and under-delivering. You know the people like that? You know people like that. Well, Howard Langston is like that. Call after call, he promises his customers that he will do this or that, and his famous phrase is, anybody know it? You're my number one customer. I can not do that great, but you know, whatever. He, he says that after every phone call. Now, is that true? You're my number one customer. You can't say that to every customer and that be true, right? You can't. You see, Harold has a problem. His words have no meaning. His words don't match his life. In fact, his wife's been working on that with him. Any of your wives working on you with something? Oh, oh, I'm sure they are. You might not know it, but they are. But listen, Harold's wife was working on it. She was trying to help him not fail as a father. Your wife is always doing that for you, I promise. Setting you up to win. She's calling him at work. She's in the middle of being busy and all that kind of stuff and, you know, promised the kids that he was going to go do something that day, go to the karate thing or whatever it was, and he is forgotten again because his words have no meaning. And he gets on the phone with his wife who's been calling after call after call and the, the receptionist even standing there with boards, your wife's on line one, your wife's on line two, your wife's on line four. She's been on hold. You better pick up the phone. And he finally picks up the phone and he goes, no, 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 honey, I got it. I'm, I'll be there. Don't worry. I'll be there. You're my number one customer. And he hangs up the phone. You see, the problem is with Howard is his words are empty, they're weightless, they're not matched with a lifestyle of commitment. They're not matched with a lifestyle of commitment. That's how many people live the Christian life. Weightless words, no life of true commitment. They claim to, have, to crown Jesus Lord of their life. They say God has the number one priority and yet there's no commitment to him or his kingdom. It's all about them. It's all about what they want to do. Their lifestyle is contrary to their words. Church, can we get real for a moment? I hope we can because that's why we're here. We're here to get real. We're here to hear what the Lord wants to speak to us. And if Jesus is truly your king, if God truly has priority in your life, it will show. You won't have to say a word. You won't have to say anything. People will be able to see it. Like the saying goes, if it looks like a duck, if it quacks like a duck, if it swims like a duck, then it's probably a duck. But if it doesn't, it's probably not. Does the duck have to tell you it's a duck? The duck looks like a duck. Appearance-wise, do you look like Jesus? It swims like a duck. Do you swim like Jesus? It quacks like a duck. Do you quack like Jesus? Listen, if you do, then you're probably like Jesus. 
But if you're not, can you make that statement clearly? I don't think you can. In fact, some may be upset with me by what I'm going to say, but I'm going to say it because it makes the point. We're in a political year, and the big question is, is Donald Trump a Christian? Is Donald Trump a Christian? Well, I don't know. In fact, it would seem that every evangelical that's asked the question says, I don't know. I don't know. Now, here's the question that I have for you. Is, if you don't know, is that not an indictment on your life? You can say you're a Christian all day long, but if people don't see that in your life, they don't know. How can you know? Part of what the Bible talks about when it comes to becoming a follower of Christ, becoming a disciple, is a change in your life. Like you're not the same person, right? You're different. Donald Trump was quoted by saying this. He said, you know, they, someone asked him, hey, what's your, what's your favorite Bible verse? And he stumbled on his words. He's like, I, I don't know. There's so many. I mean, I don't even know what to say here, you know. Um, you know, an eye for an eye. I mean, that, that would seem appropriate for today. You know, and, and he, it's just random word. An eye for an eye. It's just a, more of a thought than it is a scripture. But it is the scripture, Old Testament be it. But it is a scripture. And, you know, I think any unbeliever could grasp something out of the air and throw it out. I'm not saying he's an unbeliever. I'm just saying that anybody could do that. Sit here and talk to my high school friends who can quote Bible verses, but they're not following Christ. Hillary Clinton is even worse. Hillary Clinton claims to be a long lifelong mem member of the Methodist Church, and yet she she supports many things that are completely contrary to Scripture. So. If it walks like Jesus, if it talks like Jesus, it's probably Jesus. But if it's not, you don't know. We won't even discuss Obama, right? And his professing Christian lifestyle. I, I don't know. Are these guys Christians? I don't know. I don't know. I, I don't think they know. Why? Because their lives don't match their words. Their lives don't match their words. And you're going to put your faith in that? And you're going you're gonna to get all upset and bent out of shape about that? Listen, do your duty, but man, leave it in God's hands. Let God be God. And you know what? Be an, be an American and, and, and you know, vote and do what all you, you're, you've called to do. You, you, you've been given that right to do that, so do that. But man... Don't get all bent out of shape about it. That is questioning God's authority. That is questioning, God, are you really in control? When we start to freak out because so-and-so might get in office and now the whole world's going to crash down. Listen, God is bigger than that. God is bigger than the person that sits in the big chair and on Capitol Hill, right? He's, they, whoever that might be, is an instrument of his plan. He's orchestrating whatever the Lord wants to have happen. And yeah, there might be a lot of evil that goes along with it, but God somehow 
in his big collective sovereign plan uses that. I don't get it. If I were God, I would just make it the way I want it and I wouldn't allow man to do what they want. But you're thankful that I'm not God because none of you would be here right now. God is a gracious God, man, and he loves us. And he wants to minister to us, and he wants us to see him in everything, not, not man. Not man. If, if we're seeing man and we, our eyes are captured by man, then we're, our eyes aren't vertical, are they? They're not on the right thing. Fix your eyes on Jesus, the author and the finisher of your faith, who for the joy that was set before him despised the cross, and he laid down his life, and you can trust in that. You don't have to trust in what you see, walk by faith, not by sight. Are they Christians? I don't know, but that, but that, should, add, that should bring the question to you. Are you Christian? Their life doesn't scream follower of Christ to me. Does your life scream follower of Christ to you? If it's difficult to say, then listen, you need to really take heed of what Jesus says here this morning. If you're not sure, the beautiful thing is, is that God is here. That Jesus did die for you. And that he did rise again from the dead for you. And you can receive that anytime, anywhere. I received Christ in the middle of my bedroom at 12 o'clock at night by myself. No church service, no worship team, no emotions, just me and Jesus getting real. And I just said, man, I need you. I need you, Lord. And guess what? He showed up. He didn't go, oh no, not now. It's 12 o'clock at night. What are you doing? Don't you understand I'm sleeping? No, he, he showed up. I've entitled this week's message, Truly Crowning Jesus King. For That's what I see in the text this morning. It, there's a requirement in verse 33. That's the whole crooks of the entire passage, verse 33. So therefore, if any one of you who does not renounce some, right? No, if you don't renounce all that he has, cannot be my disciple. Now that might seem extreme to some of you. I think like, wow, that's pretty extreme. Make no mistake about it. It is extreme. It's as equally as extreme, I think, to, to think that God himself would embody a, f- a fleshly body and come down to, to earth and that he would subject himself to sinful man. Like he would come in the form of a bondservant. That he would sub- subject himself to the sinful man. He would, allow, he would allow them to make him a public spectacle. To pin him to the tree. A- in front of everybody. To die a criminal's death. That's extreme. But that's love. Love is extreme. And God says, listen. If you want to follow me, it's going to look like you're extreme. It's going to look like you're extreme. Now, don't, don't get that messed up with the cuckoo clocks that are on the news that are trying to represent Christianity that are not biblical, right? That's just insanity, okay? But extreme means that nothing else in your life matters but Jesus. It's Him first, and then everything else flows out of that. That's extreme to a lot of people. Man, you sure go to church a lot. I mean, once a week's a lot. 
And you really go to church a lot. I mean, it seems like you're at Bible study at least two, three times a week. I mean, you know, you really give 10% of what you make? Man, that seems extreme. Well, let's put it in perspective. What did he give? He gave his life. What did he do? He left heaven and came to earth. It doesn't seem extreme when you put it in the right context, right? The right context. That's what it requires. And so we have to be careful. I, I, I don't, someone told me they don't like the word radical because it's associated with Islam or whatever. So I use the word extreme today. But I like the word radical because I think we're called to that faith, to that kind of a faith. Not to kill people. That's, that's satanic. But to follow Jesus. That's what he's saying in our text today. We are called to renounce all, everything. Everything you know in this world, I don't care what it is, you're called to lay it down at his feet and say, Lord, you're, you have priority over all of this. Everything. That is truly crowning Jesus King. We can all go home now. My sermon's done. I just gave you the, the whole gist of it. But Jesus breaks it down for us. There's really four things that he wants us to see in the text as it relates to truly crowning him king. The first thing is that he wants us to see that truly crowning Jesus king means that he is above all relationship. Look at verse 25. Now, great crowds accompanied him, and he turned and said to them, if anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father and mother and wife and child or children and brothers and sisters... I want you to draw, I want to draw attention first before I talk about the relationship thing to the first part because I think you can just totally miss out on a huge chunk of what is happening here if you just glimpse by now great crowds accompanied him. Great crowds accompanied Jesus. He was popular. Jesus was super popular. But I want you to know that Jesus was the most Lonely, popular person you'll ever meet. He was the most lonely, popular person that you'll ever meet. What I mean is that there were a lot of people surrounding him, but not everybody was on his team. He could draw a crowd, no problem, but not everybody was for him. He could draw a crowd, and he could speak things, and people would follow him, but they wouldn't submit to his word. They wouldn't. They wouldn't lay down to, uh, based on his authority. So he was the most popular, lonely person that you'll ever meet. The, the Bible says that Jesus was a man of sorrows, right? Can you imagine being God and walking through this world and watching people? Oh man, that was a great sermon, but it did nothing in your life. Oh man. The Beatitudes, Lord, that was awesome, man. But you're not going to change. So how is it impactful? Could you imagine being Jesus and walking in great crowds and say, none of this means anything because you're not here for me. You're here for you. You're not here for the right reasons. Maybe he'll feed us today. Maybe he'll do some tricks for us. Who knows what he'll do? You know, he, he, he just kind of randomly does stuff. So you never know what you can get. But you know what? It's worth going out to, like in its event. Like following Jesus is some kind of event. It's not an event. We don't show up to church as if it, this is an event. 
We come to follow Jesus. We live our life out there because we want to follow Jesus. And Jesus said, listen, if you, if you can't make me that important in your life, then you cannot be my disciple. A man of sorrows who looks around at a crowd of people and knows there's not hardly any of them that are going to follow him. You know, when Jesus died, there was maybe 120 believers. Only 120 assembled in Jerusalem. Where were the rest of them? He focused on them. He would send the gospel out to the Gentiles, but Jesus primarily focused on the Jews. Oh, we talked to the Samaritan woman and, and, and that, yes. But his ministry was to the Jews. Why? Because he was their Messiah. Everything was supposed to be birthed out of them. So he focused on them, and only 220 of them showed up in Jerusalem the day of Pentecost, but 3,000 got added real quick. That's the power of God in our life, when we truly do what he says, when we submit to his word and not our word, when we, when we get on with his plan and not our plan. You see power come on high into your life, and you watch it just blow up and explode out in front of you. But look, at the end of the day, if Jesus walked through the world and the life with many, many crowds following him with not many disciples, don't be discouraged. Listen, you can be discouraged. You might think like, you look around your life and you're like, well, <laughs> I don't have a crowd. And uh, there's not anybody um, that I'm really, that's really in my life that I'm, you know, hey, God will put people in your life. You just be faithful with them. You just do what you're called to do. You can't change their life. Jesus didn't change. Jesus said, hey, you're going you're gonna to follow me today. All of you. He didn't do it. He just loved them, and then he let them go. And you know what? You're going to have people that come in and out of your life constantly, and you're going to love on them, and you're going to be like, why aren't they getting it? And Jesus is going to say, welcome to my world. Welcome to my world. You want to slap people up? I, I hear you. You know, yeah, I hear you, but, but don't do it. Because that's not how I am. I love these people. I love them even though they won't respond to me. Listen, you were there. You were one of those people. You were one of those people in the crowd that you're like, what can Jesus do for me today? You know, and, and when he didn't, you know, you just, you got what you wanted out of it. You were gone. You're like, pew, I'm out. See, Jesus, I don't need you now, but, but I'll call on you when I do. Don't worry. And yet he's saying, man, I still love you. I'll love you. I'll love you till you, till you breathe your last. I'll love you. I'll love you into all of eternity. I love you but I'm not going to make you follow me. If you, there's a great crowd, but Jesus was lonely in the crowd. And yet he ministered to the crowd and he didn't let his own feelings get hurt. They're not responding to me. I don't understand. Don't they see it? <laughs> Listen, don't get discouraged. Continue to pour into people, love on people, because that's what Jesus does. Check this out. He says, listen, if, if you love somebody else more than you love me, you cannot be my disciple. Father, mother, wife, children, brother, sister, really? I thought God was a God of love. I thought Jesus taught that we're supposed to love our enemies and all that stuff. Oh, yeah, we are. And that's not what he's saying. Don't hate them in the sense of hate, hate them like it's a hyperbole, right? Like the idea is that you're to hate them in comparison to your love for him. Okay, now you get that, right? Because we have different kind of loves for people. 
where we, have, we, we know what conditional love is. All of us do. And so we got that kind of conditional love that's up here, and then we got that kind of conditional love that's down here, right? And then we're really supposed to just be in the other bucket where it's just unconditional love. That's where God is. But, but here's the thing, is that Jesus, Jesus is telling these guys that if they allow their, they, you know, they allow their relationships, their earthly relationships, their most intimate relationships to get in the way, that those relationships will overtake his relationship. Is that true? Do you ever see that happen in your life? I've seen it happen. I've seen it happen in my life. I've seen it happen in other people's lives. Oh, man, I just want to spend time with my family. I've been working all week, man. Sunday morning's so hard. I've got to get up out of bed. I'd just rather hang out with my family. But you haven't had any time with Jesus either. So what about that? What he's saying is, is that, you know, you, you, you're supposed to, in comparison to loving him, it would look like hatred, your most intimate relationships. Do you know that in, in the culture that Jesus was speaking to, the, the hearers that would hear what he had to say were like, whoa, we get that. Because it does cost us our relationships to come to him. You know, if you were in the first century or you were in you know, th this time period where Jesus was speaking and you came to Christ, your, your family disowned you. Like even today, Jewish people, if you depart from the faith, they'll have a funeral for you. You're dead to them. If you're Islam and you're a Muslim and you, you know, convert to Christianity, you'll die. Your own family will kill you. Literally. Your parents can't be more important than Jesus. What they think about what you believe can't be more important than Jesus. Right? Oh, your wife, your husband. You see that relationship a lot of times get in the way where the husband or wife becomes jealous of Jesus. Are you kidding me? Become jealous of Jesus? She, he's not, she's not spending enough time with me. She's always at church. She's always in the Bible. Listen, I'm not propagating neglect of your relationship. But what I'm saying is, is that there are times that you need to have and you need as a, a spouse to support that spouse in getting in God's word, spending time with the Lord, because listen, it's supposed to work for you, not against you. You hear that? Like Jesus wants you to do that because he knows it's going to work out to your benefit. If you spend more time with him, you'll become more like him. And trust me, your spouse wants you to become more like him. Amen. I mean, all the wives are like, yeah, we want you to become more like Jesus because the deal is that's the reality. So don't get in the way. Don't get in the way. of Let the Lord work. Now, don't neglect your spouse, right? If you're loving Jesus the way you're supposed to love your Jesus, he said you'll love your spouse like husbands. You'll love your wife like Christ loved the church and gave himself for him. So it's imbalanced, but what I'm saying is they can't be more important than him. Oh, let's talk about those little devils, children, those attention, those attention devils, man. They want all your attention. One time I was in a church service and I was watching um, a mom who was worshiping, you know, her hands were up and she was singing to the Lord and this little kid, um, you know, I don't know, he's, a, I don't know how old he was, but he was old enough to know. And he grabs his mom's hands, he puts them down to the side and it, and it was like this. This is what my mind said. Hey, 
Get your eyes on me. Don't you know I'm here? This is about me, not about him. That will happen. That will happen. Listen, do not child-centered parent. Do not make your family about the kid. If you do, it's going to be whacked out. That's not God's design. God's design is that he would be number one. Everything would circulate around him. Your spouse is next. Your spouse is next. Your children are an adjunct to your family. They are not the center of attention. Not everything, oh, look at how cute he is and all this stuff. They are cute. They are awesome. And they are a blessing. But dude, if you put them in the wrong place, they will rob you. They will rob you of God's best. Do not put that on them. That is wrong for you to do that. I had my first child, and that's how, oh, look at him. Oh, you know, he's so cute and everything. And then I look at him now, and I'm like, oh, no, I don't. I love, I love you, crew. Yeah. You, you know, seriously. But you cannot child-centered parent because that's not the design. The design is Jesus first, then your spouse. Your kid's an ad- adjunct to your family. What, what about brother and sister? Same deal. Listen, you have to love Jesus so much that in comparison to all your other relationships, it looks like hatred. That's what he's saying. Not that you actually hate them, but in comparison, your love for Jesus is so great that that other relationship pales in comparison. Jesus didn't randomly say this out of the blue. That was a real issue in this time period. And that's a real issue today. It is a real issue. Earthly relationships can get in the way of following Christ. And I see it happen all the time. And you know what? I, I'm like, man, I could see it coming. I can see it coming. And I'm like, a warden, be careful. Be careful. Just keep loving Jesus because if you don't, you'll never able, be able to be who he calls you to be in that relationship. So you got to keep him first. You know what? Oh, I love her so much. I love him so much. He's my world. He completes me. No, he doesn't. Listen, we make terrible gods. You're a terrible God. I'm a terrible God to my wife. She's a terrible God to me. She doesn't belong there. Jesus does. And then out of that relationship, I can love her the way I'm supposed to. Jesus is telling us that, man. Beware of those relationships. Number two, truly crowning Jesus means more that he's more important to you than your own life. He said, yes, even your own life. The end of verse 26 there. Even... His own life, he cannot be my disciple. You do love Jesus more than you love your own life. You cannot be my disciple. He can't really make it any clearer than that. I was in a conversation with somebody the other day, and, and you know, it was, I'm just kind of point blank sometimes, and the lady was like, I was talking to her, I said, hey, what's stopping you from really following Jesus? I mean, really. I mean, let's stop, let's cut to the chase here. What's the problem? Why aren't you following him fully? Uh, you, you have a form of godliness, but you deny its power because you're not following Jesus. You want to have, Jesus is not a, a side to your main course. He is the main course. And if you, you can't make him that. So I said, what's stopping you from following Jesus? She looked at me and she said, I don't know. And I was like, I do you. You're stopping him. 
because you're not willing to submit to him and surrender to him. <laughs> wow, that was an aggressive question, response. It was. But listen, eternity's at stake. Are you kidding me? This person's going to go to hell if they don't surrender to Jesus. Yeah, it is a, it is a upfront question. But let's be real. We need to be upfront. Listen, this, this culture that we live in that's kind of this cultural Christianity that's like, hey man, you can do whatever you want and love Jesus too is wrong. It's not biblical. That is not Christianity. In fact, I, I'm pretty sure if the disciples were here today, they would take on more of an attitude like Nehemiah and they would be ripping people's beards out. Because there are people standing in pulpits leading people to hell for the, for the enemy. Rather than being honest and just being committed to what his word says and not what we think it says. Is it clear in this passage or do we, I mean, do we water that down a little bit or you cannot be my disciple? If you don't do this, you cannot be my disciple. How do you water that down? These are his words, not my words. Don't get mad at me. It's him. He's trying to get us to understand the requirement of salvation. It's everything. You hold something back, you're not his. I saw a church sign the other day that said Jesus isn't into, um, you know, part-time visitations. He wants full custody. It's true. He wants all of you or he won't take any of you. Well, I'm giving him 80. Isn't that good enough? He gave you 100. He wants 100. And yet, oftentimes, people love their lives more than they love the Lord. They love themselves. I get it. I was there. That's what was stopping me from coming to Christ. Do you know what I said literally? And I didn't even grow up in a Christian home. This is how clear the Holy Spirit was speaking to me. Now that I know all that, I get what was happening. But this is how clear the Holy Spirit spoke to me. Was, you have to surrender all to come to me. And I was like, well, I'll do that later. No, I'll do that at the end of my life. Like, after I have my fun, you know, because we want to have fun. It's all about having fun. But what I was doing wasn't fun but I thought it was. That's what the world says is fun. Not fun now, but I still see my buddies stuck in the same things that they call fun. Doesn't look fun. What I'm doing is fun. Not what they're doing is fun. Listen, if you think you have time, you're, you're, you're playing Russian roulette because you don't know when your time is up. We were just down in Florida for the week Four people drowned on the beach. Three people drowned. One got struck by lightning. Do you think that they were thinking they had time? They were 35 and 40 years old, three of them. One of them was 22 years old. Three of them drowned because they got sucked out by a riptate on a double red flag that they shouldn't have been at, but they wouldn't heed the voice, right? And they drowned. And the other kid was a 22-year-old kid that was walking in the rainstorm with an umbrella, got struck by lightning and killed him. Just on our beach. That's just on our beach that we were at. I said to my wife, I go, what would it be like right now for, for, for there to be an empty chair in our car? One of our kids is gone. Somebody's like that today. Right now, in this moment, somebody uh, just came from the hospital. Their, their spouse, their, their, their husband, whatever, their child just died. We got time. We can mess around. You know, we can mess around with that. I'll love Jesus later. Really? You don't have time. 
That's a lie from the devil. There is no time. Because truth is, you don't know when you're going to die. No one does, only God. And, and I would say that if he's tugging at your heart, you better listen up. Because he knows. Truly crowning Jesus king means that he's more important than your own life. You've got to hate your life in comparison to Jesus. Now that means coming to Christ, yes, but it also means a lifestyle of loving him more than you love yourself. It's a dying to self, right? Every day of your life, to die to self, to let him reign. A greater love is no one than this and one that would lay down his life for his friends. So it's a daily task of surrendering to him and laying down your own life and living for him. Man, that sounds uncomplicated to me. It doesn't sound like that's super complicated. I'm supposed to just let him lead in my life and reign in my life, and I'm supposed to just surrender to him, and yet how hard is that? It's super hard, isn't it? It's super hard because we want to live. But again, just as much as your husband, your wife makes a terrible God, you make a terrible God for yourself. You make a terrible God for yourself. Why not let, I mean, that, that's way above your pay grade, seriously. Why not let him who has been called to that be that in your life? Because he knows what he's doing. I can tell you, go, feel free to write me in as president. I will do a terrible job. I don't know how to be a president. Don't do that, really. <laughs> not, like, not like, oh, like we would, man. I mean, who does this guy think he is? Die to yourself, would you? No, listen, seriously. You're a terrible God. You don't know what's best for you. You can't even hardly make the right decisions. Are you kidding me? You're contemplating on what you're going to have for breakfast in the morning. Are you kidding me? You can't be God. Let him be who he's called to be. There are going to be times where you're going to be called as a disciple of Christ to lay your life down. That's just part of the package. We all got to die somehow. And some people die by the hands of others who don't like Jesus. And we see that today as ISIS is murdering thousands and thousands of people who proclaim the name of Jesus on their life. But this is just reoccurring, man. This is not anything new. This is just as, just as uh, atrocious as it was back when, when the Romans were doing it. It's as atrocious as it was when the Jews were, you know, during their, 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 the Holocaust and all of that. It, it's continuing to happen. It's just the enemy using sinful man to just target those who represent him to devour them. But Jesus said it would happen. And so you have to be prepared for that. That's just like when you sign up for the army and they say you may be deployed and your life may be taken from you. You're like, yep, I know that. It's just part of it. Jesus said this in John chapter 15, verses 18 through 21. If the world hates you, know that it hated me before it hated you. And if you, if you were of the world, the world would love you as its own. But because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. Remember the word that I said to you. A servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they kept my word, they will also keep yours. But... All these things will they do to you on account of my name because they do not know him who sent me. 
If you're a true follower of Christ, your life is in danger. It is true. That is the reality. And we're seeing this happen in our own country today where, you know, churches are being targeted and, you know, you have to, you have to worry about that. You know, in this day and age, you have to have a security team and you have to have all that in place because we want to protect our people so that they can worship freely from the Lord. And so, you know, uh, we believe in gun rights and, you know, and all that because at the end of the day, we live in the world that, that is, it is what it is. And not everybody agrees with that. But you know what? We're here to focus and just try and get the word out about Jesus. And, you know, in our day and our and age, you know, we, we are not like the 1040 window where people are dying every second. You know, where I think Voice of the Martyr says 322 people give their life up every month as a result, directly as a result of, of standing for Christ. Many, many other people die. That, that's just a random number. That, that's a track number that they track. 722 uh, people experience some kind of violent act as a result of being a Christian. You're going to be persecuted. You might lose friends. You might lose family members. You might lose a lot of different things. You might even lose your own life, but it's worth it. It's worth it. Jesus has to be the CEO of your life. He won't be vice president. He has to be the reigning king. So what does it look like to, to not love your own life, to hate your life? Verse 27, whoever does not bear his own cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. Listen, Jesus is, doesn't seem to be interested in building a megachurch to me by the stuff that he's saying. He's in a big crowd. But the stuff he's saying, I can imagine people, it's being thinned out <laughs> by the moment. Every time he opens his mouth, there goes a couple more. Do you think he's worried about that? Well, ultimately, yes, because he loves people. But his, his focus is not building, you know, a, a people that would follow him in, in an earthly sense without no commitment to him fully. Like he's not just trying to get people into four walls and go, wow, look at this. Look what I did. Like it's got to be full committal. And so he says, if you don't bear your own cross, you cannot be my disciple. Now, we get what that means. The only people that bared crosses during this time were people that were going to die. If you're wearing a cross today, then you, you know the story, right? It's not, that's, that's our pop culture, whatever it is, the, the symbolism to say, oh, you know, this is what Jesus died on for me. But back in this day, you would not do that. You would not wear a cross because if anybody was bearing a cross, they were going to die. You didn't just bear a cross just because. You didn't just wear a cross because it was cool. It meant you were going to die. There was no other purpose for it. It was meant to be a, a, a tool of death. And Jesus is saying that you have to bear your cross. Now, people take that to mean like, oh, I've just got to bear all these problems in my life and all that kind of stuff. Is that what he's saying? Where in the Bible does it say Jesus said, hey, just bear your problems. You go ahead and keep them on your shoulders because you can handle it. He doesn't say that, does it? He says, come to me. I'll bear them. I'll take them. I'll take them off your shoulders. We're not supposed to bear our problems. He's supposed to bear them. So what does this mean? What is bearing a cross? It means you're coming to die. 
means you're like you're, you're you know, as Paul said in Galatians 2.20, I've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives me. And the life that I now live, I live by, the, by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Right? That's what this means. Bear your cross. Be crucified with him. It's truly the only way to crown him king. He's not going to force you to be crucified either. It won't be real. And you know what? You can't fake a crucifixion either. You're either crucified or you're not. You either died or you didn't. Right? And if you died, then you rose again because he rose again. That's the way all this works. So Jesus is saying, spiritually speaking, you have to die, but I will raise you to newness of life. It's the only way that the gospel can be applied to your life. People try and apply it in all kinds of other ways. I want the gospel because I want to go to heaven, but I'm going to apply it like this. But there's only one way to apply it, right? Crucifixion, the self. You got to die. To, you got to die to live. Jesus said, you know, if you want to keep your life, you can, but man, what have you gained in that? What have you gained if you, you gain the whole world, but yet you lose your soul? What have you gained? Nothing. The only way that the gospel can be applied to your life is by dying to self, by submitting to, to what he has done for you on the cross and being crucified with him. You must bear your, for yourself. Nobody else can carry your cross either. Your mom and dad can't carry your cross. Your grandma and grandpa can't carry your cross. Your uncle that was a pastor back in the 1800s can't bear your cross. You have to bear it on your, on your own, and you have to make your way to Calvary. And you have to bear it for yourself, and you have to be crucified. I blew it on my time, and so I'm going to stop right now. But I want, I want to leave you with this, and I will finish this next week. Two of the things that Jesus talked about here... Number one, if you want to be my disciple, there can be no other relationship greater than my relationship with you. Number two, if you want to be my disciple, you can't love yourself more than you love me. And I don't want to blow through the rest of this because it's so good. I don't want to miss that. But here's what I want to say, is that God's not playing games in a culture that is playing games. God is saying, stop playing games. This is real. This is what his word says. How can we believe what that says? Well, if you can't believe one thing that it says, you can't believe anything it says. What I can tell you is that he gave this to us. And you either believe all of it or you don't believe any of it. You can't pick and choose what you believe. Jesus is saying, I, I can't deal with mediocrity. I can't deal with people that are half surrendered to me. I won't accept that. And the reason for that is because you have, you have to give it all. He gave it all. And, you have, and he'll cover your life. And I promise you that 
if you'll do that, if you will give him all, he will transform your life and it will be greater than you could have ever made it to be. How many Christians in this room would say your life is greater than you ever thought it could be because of Jesus? Almost everybody in this room, right? Because this is reality. Listen, you know, your, you know people in your life that are not following Jesus and you know what their life looks like. And you know people who are, who are believers but aren't following Christ, you know what their life looks like. Isn't there kind of some similarities? Struggle, you know, just, just, we all got struggle, don't get me wrong, but I'm talking about a different kind of struggle. I'm talking about a bondage to stuff that we shouldn't be in bondage to because Christ set us free. And so, you know, Jesus is saying to us this morning as a church, he's saying, don't play games, stop playing games. If you truly crown me king of your life, then take your place as a disciple, not just in name, but in deed, and let me do my work in you. And let me transform your life. All it requires is surrender to you and making him priority in your life. And so the worship team's going to come up and we're going to sing a song. And we're going we're gonna to sing, oh Lord, let our, let our life be like a love song to you. And we're going to sing this song and you know, it can just be another song for you and you can leave here the same as you came in. Or you can sing this song and you can say, Lord, I really want my life to be a love song to you. I really want my life to sing praise to you. I want, I want my life to sing so loud that people from the outside looking in go, man, that guy praises Jesus. That guy praises Jesus. And even if they don't know anything about you, they've never met you in your life, man, there's something different about that guy, about that girl. What is the deal with them? It's Jesus in them. It's Jesus in them. This is, you know, I promise you that if you submit yourself to him, that he will shine through your life like you've never seen before. But it's him doing it, not you. So it's important that we heed his word. So this morning as we just take this time to reflect on what he said to you personally, Dan's going to lead us in a song here. I want you to just think about that and do business before the Lord this morning. Listen, if, if you haven't, if you've been, you know, <laughs> pussyfooting around, that's the only thing that comes to mind, I don't know. If you've been messing around with, with stuff, if you've, been, if you've been, you know, not being sincere to Jesus, he wants to tell you this morning that it's time to be sincere, it's time to be real, because he's real with us. And so he would call you out this morning, not because he wants to embarrass you, but because he loves you. And there are people here, and he is telling you that. And you're like, man, I already know this stuff. And he knows you already know it. He knows you already know it. But, you know, he loves you enough to say, hey, I want to get your attention because I love you. And if you don't have Jesus crowned as, as king of your life this morning, don't leave here without without putting the crown on his head. It's the best decision you'll ever make. Would you pray with me? Father, we thank you so much for your word, and we thank you for just, the, the, just how sincere you are and how truthful you are to us. Lord, and you don't hold anything back because you want us to truly see you. I pray this morning for everyone in this place this morning, God, and you know they're all in different places in life. 
And you know, God, that there are many people here that are struggling with the Christian walk. And you know, Lord, that you can help them if they'll just surrender to you. That you didn't call them to the, this continual life of stumbling along, Lord. But you called them to a path that they can walk upon, which is Jesus Christ. And so would you set the captive free this morning, Lord? I know you want to. But would you give the boldness and the courage to those this morning that need to crown you king of their life? The ability to do that? And would you help those who are struggling along the way, Lord, to just commit fully to you this morning and just lay it all down at your feet? If you're here this morning and you don't have a relationship with Jesus, I'm just going to ask you, we're not going to mess around, raise your hand, and I'll lead you in a prayer. If you need Jesus in your life this morning and you're saying, you know, um, I don't know if I have him, if I don't, you know, I don't know that anybody would know that I'm a Christian if they looked into my life, then raise your hand because you need Jesus. And you know what? It's not something to be half-hearted about or to worry about what everybody else thinks. But he's saying, raise your hand. And he'll give you life. And he'll forgive you for your sins if you turn away and repent and come to him. If there's anyone here this morning, just raise your hand and we'll lead you through a prayer. Does anybody want Jesus this morning? He knows the struggle, man. He knows the struggle, but it's not going to get easier. One more time, if you need Jesus this morning, just raise your hand and accept him. Lord, as we sing this last song, we pray, Father, that you would just help our lives to match the words that we're going to say now. We're going to sing to you. And Lord, if we need to do any business with you, may we just come to the altar and lay down whatever it is that we need to, Lord, and we'll, we're in response to who you are. So we thank you, Father. We love you. We praise you and we glorify you. In Jesus' name, let's stand and sing. Thanks for listening. You can hear more of Pastor Tim's studies through the Word of God on our website, www.calvaryofcolumbia.org. Thanks again for listening, and we hope you'll join us again as we continue to study God's Word.